Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> One more song, page number 19, Rock of Ages. Yeah. 
Father, praise your holy name. Good morning, good day, and new month, Heavenly Father. Thank you for getting us through fourth month of the year. Thank you for also getting us through July as well. Thank you, Father, for getting us through all of these years and over a year of our global pandemic that was released upon the earth on purpose by the Chinese military in timing with Antifa, Black Lives Matters, and the election fraud. All of these are parts of warfare against freedom, against life, against humanity, 
against America, against Israel. But, but, it is all planned not only by the evil ones, but you yourself, Heavenly Father, released that fourth seal on the earth, even back in the 60s and 70s, and increased in these past two years. You are in control. You know what you are doing. You're all wise, all wise, completely wise. We trust your plan. We do not trust Trump's plan, Biden's plan, or our plan. But Heavenly Father, we trust your plan. It is your plan that we will hold on to for dear life and not let go. We will put our eyes on the finish line. We will not give up. We will not be like one that blocks the air empty without a target aimlessly, but rather we have a target and we have a finish line and we have a goal. We will complete our fight, all of our being, with all of our heart, we ask, Lord, Heavenly Father, for you to strengthen us. They strengthen the weakest among us. Help us to be one strong, united church, one strong, united bride for you. May all the sisters be in agreement, not fighting among one another. May all the brothers be in agreement and not fighting among one another. Let us be of one faith and one accord and one mind. We ask you, Lord, Heavenly Father, to realign our heart, our mind, our thoughts, and our actions and our deeds the sooner of your will. In agreement with the Holy Ghost, under the blood of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus. In oneness, in oneness with you, in agreement with you, in unity with you, not outside of your will anymore. Bring us closer. Draw us close. Let us hear your voice. Let us bend the knee, worship you and serve you, and listen closely and attentively to your word each day. Please help us, Lord, to draw closer. Please help us to humble ourselves. Please help us to let go of sin that has kept us in bondage all of our lives. Please help us to let go of those generational curses, to bind them and to cast them asunder. May we have the victory through Jesus Christ, through the blood, through the ghost, through the name of Jesus. May you get all the glory, Father. Through Jesus we pray. So be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Put our son books up. Robbie, come and grab us, please. Grab hers. Thank you. Everybody, let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. Good to see everyone. I appreciate people 
over in the western part of the world that have gotten up early this morning to be with us. I know it's a struggle to get up this early. I know it is for me. And appreciate everybody that might be staying up late in some other time zones in the east. Praise God for the worldwide church that is actually in the scripture called the Ecclesia of Theos. The Ecclesia of Theos. You can also pronounce that the Ecclesia of Theos. Praise the Lord. And that is one church that is not divided by denomination, not divided by doctrine. Amen. When we come into the truth, we surrender what we think we know. We surrender the, the ways of Babylon and the doctrines of Babylon as we seek out the truth and actually read the Bible for ourselves and re-examine and test what we believe and why. And as we continue to do that throughout our lifetime, we continue to come out of Babylon more and more and more every year, all of us, and we all need to be growing in the truth, not thinking that we know it all, not thinking that we know it all, but humbling ourselves and allowing Scripture to change us. Our way of thinking. Amen. Our way of what we, how we look at things. We change because the Scripture changes us. Amen. you please go grab her Bibles off the uh, lookout table in your place? Thank you. We allow Scripture the Word of God to change us. Amen. Praise God. The Word is a living Word. A living Word. And the Word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is able to circumcise the heart. It is able to cut off the fat in the skin, pull all that back, remove all that, and expose the heart for what it really is. Amen. And that is why sinners hate God and hate the scripture and hate the truth is because it exposes what they really are. Amen. And that is what's been happening these past couple of years and even really ever since uh, Obama first uh, seized the White House illegally, because that was a stolen election as well. Most people don't realize that people all across the United States went to prison because it was proven uh, election fraud uh, the first time and the second time both that Obama illegally entered the White House. That was a stolen election as well. Absolutely proven and documented, but hidden and covered up because the mainstream media doesn't report those things very often. Just very quick, one sentence statement, one, two, three sentences, a minute, 
and then it's over with and they don't repeat it. They don't repeat it over and over and over and over so people forget or they miss it very easily. But it was in the news. Many different people all over America went to prison for, for that. And people was exposed and the demon crash was exposed uh, to those that were looking to those that were paying attention, amen, and to God, amen. People's hearts and minds and tactics and beliefs were exposed. And but even more so, under the illegal Biden regime, they are being exposed, the wicked are being exposed more than ever before, amen. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because a lot of people are starting to a little bit wake up, a little bit wake up. Amen. But as I posted on Mewe last night, the great awakening, the great awakening. Everybody you see that all over the internet, all over Mewe, Facebook, Twitter, all the time. And a lot of people think we're already in the great awakening. But I tell you, the amount of people waking up is very minor, very, very minor. They're still asleep, mostly. Even though they're starting to realize how evil the Democrats are, they're still under great deception. They're still in Babylon. And they're still wimps. And they're still babies. And they're still immature. And they're still spoiled. And they're still deceived. So their amount of, the amount of waking that is occurring is very, very minor. The great awakening will not occur, as I put last night on there, until the people wake up one day with no electric, no internet, no cell phone signal, and they hear the Chinese, Russian militaries outside their doors. That will be the moment that the great awakening will begin. Amen. That people will start realizing how deceived they have been by the majority of pastors, by the majority of churches and denominations and by their own parents that deceived them and their grandparents and their friends and people that have led them in the Babylonian religions. People start realizing that the people that taught them really didn't know the Bible at all. Amen. Didn't even know God. Amen. Very sad state of humanity. But nevertheless, that day is coming. That day is coming. Amen. That day is coming. And people have to learn the hard way. That's human nature. People have to learn the hard way. And they're going to learn it the hard way. Amen. But anyway, let's get over to what 
we're really supposed to be talking about today, and that is Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, and uh, we're reading from the translation called the Alpha and Omega Bible. So, uh, and I would like to hear from our sister in Nigeria. I guess you probably not got your Bible set yet, because if you had, I'm sure you probably would have told me by now. But hopefully it'll show up any time now. Matthew 6, verse 1 says, Beware of practicing, and meaning in, in, the, in the context, purposely practicing your righteousness before mankind to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may uh, be honored by mankind. Amen, I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, the applause, the attention that they receive at that moment is all the reward they're going to get for helping the poor or for doing the righteous thing. You can do a righteous thing and not get rewarded by God for it. That is possible. It is possible to do good things, good deeds for the wrong reason and therefore it does not give you any profit in the kingdom of God. It does not bring you closer to God. It does not uh, go toward your credits of entering the kingdom of heaven, reaching perfection and all these things. We know that, I think it's chapter 7, that says that not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. Amen. So I'm going to find that verse right there. Um, ain't got much light right here. It's right there, Pastor, can see. So what verse is what I'm looking at? Verse 22. Verse 22. Chapter 7, verse 22. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who were at transgression of the law. Amen. You workers of iniquity, that means you that work at transgression of the law. You that absolutely refuse keep the new moons, the Sabbaths, the holy days of God, the weekly seventh day, you that work at breaking my law, I never knew you, and in other words, also they didn't know him. Amen. As it does say in John and also over in 1, 2, or 3 John as well, somewhere in there as well, that if you say, that you know me, but you do not keep my commandments, then you're a liar. 
Amen. But here these people are practicing righteousness. Hey, that is righteousness to perform miracles and cast out demons and prophesy in his name. But they still don't enter heaven. They still don't enter in the kingdom of God, rather. Amen. That is because they are practicing righteousness in front of people to receive riches of this world and fame in this world, power and glory in this world, and not really because they love God and are willing to do anything for God and are devoted to God, but really it's a career to make money, power, fame, to sell CDs, to sell books, to be on the top ten New York, uh, whatever they call it. New York Times. New York Times bestseller list. Is that what it is? Yeah. So I wouldn't trust anyone that has had a top 10 bestseller list book as far as believing that they are saved, believing that they know God, or following that minister, joining his church, letting him baptize me, or promoting his materials, or buying his cities, or buying his books, or even reading his books, because it's nothing but junk. Amen. How are you going to get on the top 10 list of the most read books and the most bought books of the year when the world hates truth. When the world hates the truth, how are you going to make it on that list? How are you going to make it on that list? The only way you can make it on that list is be lying and deceiving the people to be itching the ears, circuitcoding the gospel, and, uh, and uh, saying what people want to hear. Amen. But there's another way that we can apply this verse over in Matthew 6, verse 1. And this is just as true. And that is practicing your righteousness before mankind to be noticed of them. Not only doing a righteous deed, but speaking about what you did that you've already done. And then you go and let people know about it such as it says in the next verse about giving to the poor, don't tell people that you gave. Don't brag about it. Amen. And so the same spiritual principle of this is don't be bragging about what you've done or what you know or what you've said or what you've done or what you said. Part of pride and part of the context of the spirit of this law, the spirit of this law, the spiritual principle is don't be proudful. And bragging would be including, I told you so, and I was right, I told you so. Didn't I say, 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 didn't I say. Yeah, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I told you so, I told you this, I told you this, I was right, I was right. That's 
bragging, and that's pride. And it may be true that you gave tithes. It may be true that you cast out demons. It may be true that you prophesied in his name. It may be true that you worked a miracle. It may be true that you had a dream or a vision. Or it may be true that you, you knew something and you was right about it. But it's important to be humble and let God exalt you and let others acknowledge your righteousness, your good deed, your good words, your correctness, not yourself. Because when you do it yourself, that's bragging and that's pride. Amen. Let's go to chapter 12 of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Page 173. Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. But through the grace given to me, notice how he says immediately, that what I'm about to say is only through God's grace. <laughs> I love that. Amen? For through the grace given to me, I say, to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as Theos has allotted to each a member of faith. Measure of faith, a measure of faith. That means each person, different people, have a different measure of the Holy Ghost. Most people never don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. I don't think I've ever heard that preach anywhere when I went to the Babylonian churches, the Pentecostal churches, the Baptist churches. I don't think, to the best of my memory, that I would ever remember any of the Babylonian pastors, ministers, preachers, evangelists say that different people have a different measure of the Holy Ghost. That is true. And also, different people have different measures of faith. And we should not gloat, that means brag, in about about the measure of the Holy Ghost that we do have. Somebody else might have a smaller measure of faith or of the Holy Ghost or a different gift because they're a uh, younger person or younger in the faith, recently baptized, or... have mental learning disabilities 
there's different reasons. We're, we're all different ages spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. There's the small finger, the pinky, and the thumb, and all the different fingers in between. And there's the small toe and the big toe, and then all the toes in between. And we're all members of one another. We should not be boastful in our heart or in our mind nor in our mouth about how much better we are than someone else. And neither should you feel down if you're not like someone else in the faith and in their gifts and in their office. Amen. You really should not compare yourself to other people. Not everybody was called to be an apostle. Not everybody was called to be a pastor. Not everybody was called to be evangelist. Amen. But to each person is given a measure of faith. And we ought not to think of ourselves higher than we ought to think, but rather we should have a humble mind and a humble mouth and a humble heart. Amen. So Paul says that even though he's declaring this truth it's only by the grace of God that he can teach this, that he can say this, that he understands this. It's not through human research, as he said somewhere else in Scripture, that it wasn't through his own wisdom, not through all the schooling he had gone through or anything else, but by God's teaching or divine, I don't know how he said it, but that's basically what he was saying, by what God had given him. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, page, uh, I mean, uh, and then verse 31, page 177. Page 177 at the bottom of the page of 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 31, 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 31. So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That means, if we are to give anyone glory for righteous works or knowledge, or revelation or correct things, correct knowledge, truth, it is to the Lord. Amen. Let us boast in the Lord. Let us brag about God. Amen. Let us give God the glory. Amen. It is God that gave his church, his bride, his ministers, his pastors, his apostles, the word of God. The revelations, the prophecies, the correct doctrine, all of it. Knowledge of when, when, how, where, it all comes from God. It's his plan, his church, his bride, his scripture, his knowledge. We're all students. We are all 
students of the great master. Amen? We are students of the great rabbi, Jesus Christ. There is no other rabbi on earth. All the rest of them are fake, Babylonian, wide name, demonic, witchcraft rabbis. Amen. The only true rabbi is Jesus Christ. Let us boast in the Lord. Philippians 2, verse 3. Page 2.11. Philippians 2, verse 3. Page 2.11. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now that's actually a mind-blowing statement if you really think about it. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. That as far as priority in your life about what you need Compare to somebody else's need. Amen. That's what that's talking about. Amen. Other people's needs. We must be praying for one another, especially new people when they first come into the truth, first come into the ministry, first come into the MeWe groups, because they have found a certain measure of truth that they embraced. But they have no idea how much more truth that they're about <laughs> to discover. <laughs> Amen. And when they see more truth, they might can handle it and they might not can handle it. And to be honest with you, nine out of ten times, they can't handle it. Nine out of ten times they leave the ministry within 24 hours, 48, 36 hours, one week, one month, six months tops most of the time. Because leaving Babylon is a step-by-step daily, weekly, monthly process. People are so ingrained in Babylon, brainwashed by Babylon all of their lives through society, TV, newspapers, media of all sorts, parents, brothers, sisters, pastors, churches and denominations, and even study notes in Babylonian Bibles and Babylonian translations of Bibles that are filled with errors. From every angle, people are brainwashed and deceived. As Revelation 12 verse 9 says, that Satan has deceived the entire world. The entire world. It is difficult 
for the majority of people to see the fullness of the light. You have to be willing to humble yourself and confess that you're lost. Most people are not even willing to do that when they come into the ministry. I'm already saved, they say. I'm already saved. But if you were, well, then you would have been keeping the Sabbath for years, holy days for years, and I wouldn't be able to teach you very much if you've been saved for 20 years or 10 years. Because it's the Holy Ghost that teaches and I'm only the messenger. But if you've had the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ for 10 years or 20 years, ain't much more I can teach you because the Holy Ghost would have already been teaching you that long. Amen. That first step of confessing that we are lost and need to get saved is a baby step, but it's a huge step at the same time, and it's a step that most people can never even reach because they have pride in what they think they know. They have pride in what mommy and daddy talked. They have pride in what a, a different pastor or a different church or denomination talked. They have pride in themselves. How can I be lost? I'm rich in knowledge and understanding and truth, rich in the Holy Ghost. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know I'm saved. But what's the Sabbath? What, what, what? what what's the Sabbath? But what's Passover? How do you keep Passover? Well, you said you were saved. Amen. We have to humble ourselves and confess that we're lost before we can receive a Savior, the Savior, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's go to the book of James now. James chapter 3. Page 244. Thank you. Page 244. James 3, verse 14. James 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Do not be arrogant. And so, and so, uh, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. Take that word so out. It don't, it, it confuses the tongue, it confuses the thought. Uh, or maybe it should be therefore, would make it be sound better. 
and not be so confused. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and therefore lie against the truth. That's what you don't want to do. Amen. That's what you do not want to do. And yet many people do have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Amen. Verse 15 says, This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. But pride prevents people from making peace. Amen. Amen. There's so many people that have, have left the church of God over the years and have not returned, have not repented because of their pride. They do not want to confess their own faults in what occurred, in what was said, in what happened. They don't want to examine themselves. They don't want to humble themselves. Their pride gets in the way, and therefore they refuse to make peace with me and confess their own flaws, faults, sins, and transgressions and rebellion. Amen. They would rather be alone, not even attend services, not even give tithes and financial assistance to God in the truth, in the true church, in the work of God, in their own community, in their own town that they live in. They would rather be absent and forsake the assembling of themselves together in violation of Scripture rather than to confess their own errors. That's pride. Amen. Pride. We should never allow pride to hinder our fellowship with the church because we're members of one another if we are truly saved. If you say that you're saved, then you ought to be with your brothers and sisters and not by yourself unless there are no brothers and sisters, which is the case for certain people in certain nations, of course. But locally, they have no excuse. Amen. Locally, in this town where I'm standing right now, they have no excuse except for pride, sinfulness, and rebellion. Amen. But I know that many of you that listen over the internet, you have no brothers and sisters there locally. I understand that. God understands that. Nevertheless, in other contexts and other ways, pride can creep in. Jealousy and selfish ambition. And a lot of people, a lot of men and women, when they learn the truth, there's a selfish ambition that makes them, makes them believe that they are a preacher or they are a prophet or they are a prophetess 
that's extremely common in women, extremely common in women, that not only do they wrongfully think that they are saved when they first come into contact with me, but also they also think that they are a prophetess. One after another, after another, after another, after another. It is so extremely common. The world is full and overflowing with prophecies. And most of these have never even had a vision from God. And yet they think that they are a prophetess. And they've never observed Passover never had the communion, which is required by the Bible and says in John that if you do not take this bread, this communion, that you have no life in you. No, no life, no eternal life in you. You are not saved. But I'm a prophetess, and I will put it on my profile, and I will put it on my post, and another post, and another post, and another post. I will plaster it everywhere so everybody knows I'm a prophetess, even though I never had a vision from God in my life, and never had a prophecy from God, and I don't know what the Passover is, and I don't even know how the prophet baptism is done. I don't. I just learned about the Sabbath day today. I just learned about the new moon today, and I'm brand new, and I'm a baby Christ. But I'm a prophetess. Trust me, I know the Lord. The Lord even showed me Elvis. I actually heard this the other day. I'm sorry, but I've got to say it. I've got to say it. May you have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Or don't. Amen. Toughest ambition drives people to think they are something that they are not. Amen. Toughest ambition deceives people to think that they're saved when they're not saved, that they have tons of truth when they have no truth or very little truth. Toughest ambition makes people think that they are extremely mature in the Lord and they know the Lord a lot and they have tons of the Holy Ghost when they have either none or very little. Amen. I think the person that saw Elvis and Michael Jackson in heaven, they hung up, they just left. Good riddance. Maybe it wasn't them. I don't know. Somebody left and I said that. But selfless ambition also makes every man, majority of them, think that they are preachers. And they're not. Because other man is a preacher to his own wife and his own children, but that's not really being a preacher. But tons of men, one after another, after another, after another, think that they've got to be a preacher or a pastor. And they're not even baptized yet. 
not even baptized. And yet, I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher. Or they are alcoholic, or they're smoking weed. But I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher. Pride and selfish ambition, jealousy, wanting to be like others, wanting to be in their office, wanting offices that they're not called for. Amen. Warning offices of the church that they are not called into is proudful, selfish ambition. I tell you, pride is a major problem. It really, really is. Pride is a major problem. Let's go to the book of Jude, chapter 1, which there's only one chapter of Jude, of course. Verse 16, Jude, verse 16, page 258. Book of Jude, verse 16. These are grumblers finding fault following after their own lusts, they speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining advantage. Amen. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words which were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There are people, verse 16, who are finding fault in everything I say, finding fault in what I post, what I write, what I put in the articles, what I put on me, we, what I say in the sermons. They're always finding fault in me when they need to be looking in the mirror, as the Bible says, and Matthew 7, verse 1, it is that you're not to judge one another until, as it says in verse what, 3 or something like that, that you remove the beam out of your own eye first. Remove the beam out of your own eye first, and then you would be able to see clearly to remove the splinter or the smaller piece of stick out of your brother's eye. Don't be trying to correct someone else, your pastor, your neighbor, your coworker, your mom, your dad, your brothers. Don't be trying to correct other people until you've got the huge sins out of your own self first. Amen. There's people preaching that are not even baptized yet. This is happening all over the world. All over the world. In every town. In every town, community, state, and nation, there are people, and I kid you not, and I exaggerate not, people in every community across the world that are 
wherever Christianity exists, that are preaching, and they are not even saved themselves. They're not even baptized themselves. So they need to shut their mouths and get saved. How can somebody that's not saved lead somebody else to salvation? How can they do that? Amen? You got to clean up your own life first before you can save someone else, lead somebody else to salvation. Amen. Got to confess our own sins, our own faults, our own transgressions before we can help somebody else with their transgressions. Amen. And these people, verse 16, speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining that advantage. Why do people introduce themselves to me as I'm a prophetess? Or I'm this, or I'm that. Why is their first word, their first sentence, their first statement, introduction to me, how glorious they are? Go now to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11, verse 2. Page 89. Ooh, the sun is starting to come in here now. Let there be light. Amen. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 11, verse 2, page 89. Praise the Lord. Amen. Verse 2 says, Whenever pride enters, there will also be disgrace. But the mouth of the lowly, that means the humble, meditates wisdom. If you can remember that lowly means humble, you can leave it like it is. If you think, that it would help you, then you can scratch out lowly and put humble because you're not adding and subtracting and taking away from Scripture, but rather you're explaining Scripture and translating it into a word that helps you understand what it is saying. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm putting humble there. And that's what we're going to put it into, uh, change it to in the AOB, just to help my own mind that's getting weaker and weaker every year as I grow older, to immediately recognize what that means 
And it says that the mouth of the humble meditates wisdom. What does that mean? That means before you speak, you think. Amen? You don't just spew all the darkness, all the selfishness, all the arrogance, all the pride, everything else. But you think, you slow down, slow to speak, as the scripture says. People need to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Amen? Slow to speak, quick to listen. That's what the Bible says. And it's true that the proudful will speak quickly and without taking time to think about what they say. Because the proudful likes to hear themselves talk. Amen. And when I say that, there's like multiple people who come to mind, multiple people, people that if I see them at Walmart, I would definitely be running to the next aisle or actually across the entire store to get away from them before they see me, before they enter into telling me the same thing they've already told me a million times. Because they like their stories. They love their stories. They love what they have to say because they're the ones saying it. But if I dare to say anything, I can't even finish a sentence. And I don't even know why they even ask me, how are you doing today? Because I can't even say fine, thank you, before they interrupt me and and tell me about their own day. Well, don't even ask if you don't want me to answer it. And this has become more and more common. More and more common. This is not just one person, two people. This is like Lord have mercy how many people have become this way. Lots of people that can't shut up and would just keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. Please buy you a tape recorder and play it next to your bed and hang up the phone. Pride will prevent certain people from entering the first resurrection. There's a lot of things that will prevent a lot of people from entering the first resurrection. A lot of different things will prevent people from entering the first resurrection. Amen. Let's look at chapter 27, Proverbs 27, verse 2. 
Proverbs 27, verse 2, let your neighbor and not your own mouth praise you, a stranger and not your own lips. Please, everyone, underline that. Amen. If you got a yellow highlighter, a pink highlighter, a blue highlighter, a purple highlighter, highlight, highlight it. Because what a significant verse. Amen. Let your neighbor and not your own mouth praise you, a stranger, not your own lips. Let the other people be the ones to say, well, I remember you said this. You was right. You knew what you was talking about. Or you did right. You did good. That was good. Or you sing good. Oh, you was right. You was right. Or whatever. Whatever, you know. Thank you. As the Bible says in another verse, that we are to humble ourselves and God will exalt you in his time. Let God exalt you and let your brothers and sisters and other people, let them be the ones to acknowledge your truthfulness or your righteousness. Amen. You want to say something? Well, there's even the verse about the guests of honor at the dinner not sit in the seat of honor, but to sit in the lowest seat and the let the host raise you up. Amen. Choose not the front seat, but let the host be the one say, hey, you go ahead and move on up here to the front seat. Let the host be the one to move you to the front seat. Amen. So even so even like the council, some people were disappointed that they didn't make the council and even raised their hand, me, 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 me. And my reaction was, God gave us seven. He gave us seven seats. They are full. And if God tells me to add more, I will then seek the Lord about who? I didn't ask for a raise of hand. Amen? I didn't ask for who else wants to be on the council. Amen? God is the one that has chosen the council members and the number of members. Amen? It's really not even myself that chose the members or the number, but it was God as proven by the number of seats where we had to sit that day. We was going somewhere else, but the seats were gone and the tables were gone. It never did come back to this day of where we was going to go that day and had to go to the place that particular day of the seven seats plus the one of the seat that represents the throne of God, eight seats total. But that eighth seat is facing the seven, and the seven are facing the one. So it's very clearly the one represents the throne of God, and the seven represents the council. Amen. But you are not opposed to, as the Bible says, you are not opposed to choose the seats of honor, but rather let God be the one to exalt you. Let the host 
be the one to say, hey, come on up here. You can sit up here closer. You can sit up in front. You can have a seat of honor. Let God be the one to do that. Amen. Nobody can choose to be a preacher. No one can. No one can choose to be a pastor. No one can. Or a prophetess, a prophet, or apostle, or evangelist. It's not your own choice to make. It is God that calls. Amen. You don't call yourself. You do not call yourself. God calls. And that's something that most people don't know, don't understand that. They think it's something that you can choose. You can choose to be a preacher. You can't. God is the one that calls. Yes, he's the one that ordains. He is the one that chooses who is going to preach and who is going to be a pastor and who is not. He is the one. The only choice you've got to is say yes or no to his appointment. Yes, I accept the appointment and the job and the responsibility you have given me, or no, I won't do it. I would be like Jonah and be a card and run. That's the only choice you've got. Is to obey God or, or to disobey God. Choose life or death. That's the only choice you've got. Amen. Let's go to chapter 6, Proverbs 6. Verse 16, page 86. Proverbs 6, verse 16. Let's start in verse 14, actually. Verse 14. His perverse heart devises evil, and at all times such a one causes trouble to a city. Therefore, his destruction shall come suddenly, overthrow and irretrievable ruin. For he rejoices in all things which Theos hates, and he is ruined by reason of impurity of the soul. The eye of the haughty, that means the proudful, you can... Scratch it out, put the powerful. And that's what we're going to put in AOV. The eye of the powerful, a tongue unjust. Amen. Hands shedding the blood of the just or the righteous. And the heart devising evil thoughts and feet hastening to do evil. An unjust witness kindles falsehoods, and brings on bars, fights, arguments between brethren. Amen. So these are the things that God hates. There's a lot of other things that God hates as well. Abominations, homosexuality, witchcraft, communism, Nazism, Islam. There's a lot of things that God hates. But among this is the proudful, the eyes and the tongues, the proudful people, the unjust. These things can prevent people entering the first resurrection. 
So we must examine ourselves, and it's a process. And it takes getting your toes stepped on. It takes getting offended. It takes getting criticized. People need to accept and learn to accept rightful criticism. It's very difficult for the powerful heart, the powerful mind to accept criticism. We must humble ourselves to accept criticism, even if it sounds somewhat cruel, even if it sounds uh, like it should have been worded more gentle, the truth is still the truth. Rather, it's spoken in gentleness or in harshness. The truth is still the truth. And you can point the finger and say, well, you spoke it too harshly, but that does not erase the truth. The truth is still the truth. And instead of trying to turn it around to try to correct the pastor or the person, other person that's trying to help you, even if they should already be trying to clean up their own life, even if somebody is a hypocrite and should not even be confronting this with you because they ain't got their own life cleaned up, even though they ain't got the right to be confronting you about it, if it is true, the truth is so true. Amen. Even if the person is being a hypocrite about it, even if the person has the same problem, even if the person has an even larger problem, will let God deal with that person. Amen. God will deal with that person. Sooner or later, God will deal with that person. But you still got to deal with the truth. Amen. Truth is still the truth, even if it came from a wicked person that told you the truth. And that can happen. I've seen it happen a million times. A wicked person speak the truth about somebody. Because the wicked can see the wicked. Very well, because they know what it's like to be wicked. They, they're familiar with wickedness. They're familiar with sin. They're familiar with pride. They recognize it in themselves. Just like a gay person can point out another gay person extremely easy, better than a straight person can. They call it gaydar, like a radar. A gay person can tell another gay person that they are gay better, quicker, more accurately than a straight person can because a gay person knows what it's like to be gay, knows the characteristics, the mind frame, the mannerisms, all of that and more. The wicked can spot another wicked across the room extremely easy, all the way across the room all the way across the highway, all the way across the store, all the way across wherever, the wicked can spot the wicked. But even the wicked can tell you the truth about a problem that you've got sometimes. 
sometimes they know it and just won't tell you. Amen. Because maybe they don't want you to repent. But sometimes they do want you to repent because it's, they can't stand it. They can't, stand, they can't stand your level of pride or they can't stand your level of boasting or your level of arrogance or your level of uh, uh, something. Sometimes wickedness is so bad they can't even stand each other. Amen? That happens a lot. That happens a lot. It really does. Wickedness is so bad they can't even stand each other. Such as China and Russia invading America. China and Russia are extremely wicked. Extremely wicked. But America has also become extremely wicked with homosexuality, Islam, abortion, witchcraft, all kinds of Babylonian religions, yoga, Buddhism, Hinduism, do whatever you want to, the Democrat Party, the Libertarian Party, which is an arm of the Democrat Party, hatred against Israel, hatred against the Jews, flat earth insanity, and all other kinds of forms of insanity. Planet X, nebula insanity, denying that the virus is real, all kinds of insanity. So Russia and China says, I cannot stand your filthiness. I cannot stand your stink. I cannot stand your pride. You know, America had a pride problem. They really did. And there's a righteous pride. There's a good pride. There's an acceptable pride. It's okay to be proud of your nation. It's okay to be proud of your children. It's okay to be proud of your parents. If they deserve it. If they deserve it. But America no longer deserves the blessings of God. And America no longer deserves to be proud of our nation. America no longer deserves to be proud of America. America is lost. Trump, he is lost. He's not saved. He's Babylonian. He's deceived. He's the one that gave us the vaccines. God did use him in mighty ways, and he stood for much righteousness, but Trump is a hypocrite. Yes, he stood for much righteousness. Yes, he was a great president overall, but he was a hypocrite, and he's the one that gave us the vaccines. We must give credit to where credit is due. Amen. And I'll say that in the truth that that was a very bad thing that he did to give us the vaccines. I regret the day that I said that Trump was right and I confess my sin 
and my fall and my mistake. When I had said that Trump was right about signing into law or an executive order, I guess it was an executive order, whatever it was, about allowing, and this was before the virus came, allowing medicines to come to the market that had not yet received full testing and full FDA approval. It was declared that it was a good thing because people were dying of cancer and diseases and there are medicines in Europe that's already been approved over there but not approved in America. And it takes so many years and years and years to be approved in America and people are dying. Therefore, they sign this executive order that it does not have to be FDA approved. You can just put it to the market and save lives. It was a foolish mistake. And I supported it. And I was wrong. And that was the birth of allowing unapproved untested, unproven, unsafe vaccines to come to the market later on after the virus hit much later on after that. So Trump is not God, and I've said that a million times over all these, even though I still support Trump, and even though Trump is still the president of the United States, even though he has done a lot of good, more than any president since Reagan, he's still a human, he's not God, and all these people that are worshiping him and kissing his butt and think that he can't do any wrong and he can never make a mistake, he can never do any wrong at all, these people need to shut up. These same people who worship Trump would never confess that they worship Trump. They can never confess that Trump has done anything wrong, not even given us the vaccines. No, it wasn't wrong. That was part of his grand plan. Almighty, almighty Trump, almighty Trump. He was so smart. He was so wise. He saw everything coming, and he invented the vaccines and pushed the vaccines to market to kill all the Democrats, kill the wicked. It was his plan the whole time he knew what he was doing. Bull crap. Bull crap. These people that believe that way will absolutely not enter the kingdom of God until they stop worshiping a human man. Amen. And repent of it and confess that that is what they're doing. Amen. But they can't confess such a simple truth that Trump has made some mistakes because of pride. Let's go to the book of Revelation now. Read forward. Revelation chapter 3. 
The church of Laodicea starts in verse 14, Revelation 3, verse 14. Now, the letter to the seven churches, there were seven towns in what's now Turkey, that they also represented seven time eras. Seven time eras for the church. From the time that John was alive until now. And if you recognize this as being also not just seven towns, but seven time eras, then this seventh church, the seventh letter, in chapter 3, verse 14, the church of Laodicea is our current time for the church. Now, even though these are time eras for the true church, true Christians, it would also be true for life in general as well. The whole world has the same problem. The whole world is suffering the same sins, the same problems. Everybody's dealing with pride, ignorance, arrogance, deception, blindness. The list goes on and on and on. These are worldwide problems, even though it's being specific to God's own people, God's own church. But like I say, it also applies to the world. There's nothing unique, amen. It's it's worldwide problems, worldwide sins and conditions of the heart and mind, body, and soul. Now, if we go back to verse 7, that is talking about the Philadelphia church, also a time era just before the current era. So the Philadelphia era of the church, that was a better time. That was the most perfect of the seven churches, but not completely perfect, but the best era of the church. Then we come to verse 14, the Laodicea, and go to verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot, and desire that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, because you say I am rich. And the context spiritually is that these people are thinking that they are spiritually rich. They think they already know everything that there is to know. If they're already rich, then they don't have room to fit more. Amen. They've already got so much knowledge They have so much truth that they cannot admit that they might be wrong on something. They ain't got no room to grow. They don't need to learn from nobody else. They don't need a pastor. This is what a lot of people say now. I don't need no pastor. I don't need no church. I don't have to attend. I don't have to listen because they're so for themselves. Amen. You have become wealthy mentally, spiritually, you think you have, and have need of nothing. 
You have need of nothing. You don't need to know nothing. You don't need a line. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a church. Yet you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Amen. So that's what we're experiencing today. Pride. And that is the reason why the Philadelphia era ended and it became the Laodicean era. And it is why God did vomit the church out of his mouth. And what that means is, back in the 1980s, the apostle at the time was Herbert W. Armstrong. And he did not have everything right. And there's no way he could have had everything right because God told Daniel to seal up the book until the end time. Amen. And only now are we this close to the Great Tribulation back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way back to the 1930s when Armstrong was in his prime in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. He died in 86, so I remember the day that he died. It was on the radio, it was on the world news. He was a great man. He was the apostle of the church. And the worldwide church of God, which no longer exists because God vomited the worldwide church of God out of his mouth because of pride. And Mr. Armstrong was responsible for much of that pride because he did not allow people to humble themselves by he forbid it. He forbid speaking in tongues in worship services, which the Bible says do not forbid speaking in tongues. He forbid it. He forbid people from raising their hands in worship during worship services. He forbid people from getting down on their knees during worship services because he thought that all those things, the speaking in tongues, the getting down on your knees, the, the shouting of amen, the raising your hands, he thought all that was pride. Look at me, how holy I am. I'm more supreme God Almighty in front of you. I'm more holy than you. I'm lifting my hands. I want attention. I'm shouting because I want attention. I'm speaking tongues because I want attention. And even though there are a lot of people that do those things, because of pride. Nevertheless, we should not forbid worshiping God in worship services or anywhere else. Anytime, we should not forbid it. And speaking in tongues, because even though some people are doing it to be seen, other people are not doing it to be seen. Amen? Other people are not doing it to be seen, so allow people to worship God. He was wrong in this, even though his intent was right, and even though he was right that some people do it out of pride, we cannot forbid people from worshiping God. Amen. Amen? And so I don't think he's going to rise in the first resurrection. I really don't think he will, even though he was 
the apostle of the church, of this church. And there's only one church, amen, of God. So a man can be called of God and serve the Lord and hear from God and teach a lot of truth and yet be lonesome, but that doesn't mean that he's not saved, but it does mean he won't enter the first resurrection on that particular level of false doctrine. No, he will not enter the first resurrection, I do not believe. But rather he'll live another hundred years. He was already in his 90s when he died. Now he's got to live another hundred years. But you know what? Mr. Armstrong had a lot right. He was right that there's no pre-trib rapture, no trinity. God is one. Jesus is God. America will be invaded with no pre-trib rapture, although he did not understand the truth about who would invade America. He thought it would be Germany and Europe, which is really a very silly, stupid doctrine. He was wrong on that. And he did not understand that the day is from sunrise to sunrise. And that's also stupid doctrine to believe that the day starts in the middle of the day or toward the end of the day or whatever, you, however you want to say that. It's really silly to think that the day starts when the sun is going down. A rooster, a bird, all the birds, all the creatures the bears and the rabbits and the deer, all the creatures can tell you, even the stars and the sun and the moon can tell you that the day starts at sunrise. And even the Bible tells you that too. But there was a lot of silly doctrines. Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen. Don't speak in tongues. The day starts when the sun is going down. And other silly things in Europe, Germany invading America, how silly. A lot of silly doctrines that the church was not able to repent of because of pride, because they thought they already had all truth. Well, I know the Sabbath, I know there's no Trinity, I know this truth, I know this truth, I know this truth. And there was a lot of truth. There was a lot of truth, so much that, oh, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. And they just did not humble themselves. And that went on and that went on and that went on. And, and finally God just got sick and tired of it. Mr. Armstrong died in 86, and a Russian man took over. A Russian man took over, Mr. Joseph Bikach, evil be his name. And after a few short years, he said, oh, you can do Sunday. You can worship Sunday. You can do Christmas. You can do Easter. You don't have to obey God. You can do whatever you want. Grace, 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 the law is dialing us. 
Lord have mercy. And of course, the majority of the church members knew better than that. And so the majority of church members divided up into literally thousands of churches. Every pastor and every person thought, oh, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I will start my own church. No, I'll start mine. No, I'll start mine. No, I'll start mine. Oh, come follow me. Oh, come follow me. Oh, come follow me. And the majority of them were not called by God. But the same pride that broke apart the church is the same pride keeps the church divided to this very day. Nobody wants to unite. Nobody wants to say, well, I'm wrong. Nobody wants to say, as a pastor, as a denomination, as a division of the 100, 200, 300, I don't know how many thousands of split-off groups, nobody wants to say, you know what, I'm wrong about when the day starts. I'm wrong about the unclean meats. I'm wrong about speaking in tongues. I'm wrong about something. And, and come together in one faith, in unity, one body, one church, one Lord, one baptism. They don't want to do that because they don't want to let go of their Amen. They don't want to let go that they're the leader of their church. They don't want to let go of their tithes and offerings that's coming into their own house. How dare that they become united with us and admit that God has called another apostle into the church. And people... So many times to say, but, but, there you are boasting of your, yourself. You're boasting, Apostle Zimmerman. You're boasting when you say that God has called you as the new apostle. You're boasting. That's pride. How dare you say that? You? Why would God choose you? And why should any other pastor or any other church come under your administration? Why are you lifting up yourself? And my answer is, first of all, it is not I that chose to be an apostle. It is not I that chose to be a preacher or a pastor, or evangelist, or prophet, but rather it was God, and that's God's choice, and if you have a problem with it, take it to God. You can argue with him. I ain't got time to argue with you. Amen. I am very short and to the point. As I'm getting older, I've had to put up with a lot of bull crap, I don't have the patience I used to have, and I don't need the patience that I used to have. Because I'm getting older, 
I got less time and you got less time. Amen. We all have less time left. I ain't got time to play games no more. So I'm not going to sit and argue and argue and argue back and forth. I'm short and to the point. So if you've if you got a problem with it, take it up with God. Amen. You're arguing with him all night long. Okay? Be like Jacob and, and wrestle with God all night long. But I don't want to hear it. It's my job to deliver God's message. I'm just a mailman. I'll drop it in the mailbox. I'm gone. I'm not going to linger here all day and hear you argue and argue and argue with me. I drop it off. I'm gone to the next person that wants to hear something true. Amen. And I think of Joseph in the Bible. And he had all his brothers, a huge family. And Joseph had the dream of the symbolism of his brothers bowing down to him. And all he did was to testify of the dream that God gave him. That's all he did was to testify of the dream that God gave him, of his brothers bowing down to him. And his brothers, and perhaps his dad too, maybe, but I know for sure his brothers, thought that he was full of pride, that he was just boasting about himself. That if the dream was truly from God, if God was truly, which was the case, of course, if the dream is truly, truly from God, and if Joseph really was ordained from God to be the leader, then it's not pride. Amen. He was just saying what God showed him. That's all. Amen. That's not a proudful thing. But if it was not true, then yes, it would be selfish ambition. It would be pride. Amen. But Joseph did not choose to be the leader of Egypt. Amen. And Joseph did not choose to be the leader of all of his brothers. Amen. Joseph did not choose that. It was God that chose that. It was God that called him to do that, even with Jeremiah. Jeremiah did not choose. Paul did not choose. God chose him. God chose Jeremiah. God chose Paul. God chose Timothy. God chose Luke. God chose Matthew. None of these men chose themselves. It is God that chooses. It is God that calls. It is God that ordains. Amen. So here we are in this last era of the church, the Laodicean, and we still have the problem of pride, not only in the Philadelphia era, but in the Laodicean era. 
was still suffering from that plague of pride. So let us, each and every one of us, test ourselves, examine ourselves. And I would encourage you to not immediately have that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, well, that's not an issue for me, it just, that's just somebody else. Don't do that. Examine yourself. Test your thoughts, your heart, your mind, and your words, and your actions. See. Seek. Test. And examine because it's a dangerous sin. It's a dangerous sin, but it is a extremely common sin. It's like a virus that spreads. I have seen people who are so full of pride that as soon as I walked into the room, I knew it immediately, because they were so full of pride. The way they would hold their nose in the air, the shape of their face, the sound of their voice, the smell of their perfume, everything, every inch, every measure, of a measure of everything about that person would be pride, 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 pride. Every joint, every bone, every fabric, every centimeter. And I wonder why is this person's husband not slap the daylight out? Because we need to be shaken. Amen. If you're so blind to such tremendous sin, if you're so arrogant, if you're so wicked, the best thing anyone can do, husband, wife, brother, sister, is to give you a good smack and say, wake up. Wake up. Look in the mirror. Look at you. And so many people would say that's spousal abuse, that's demonic, that's evil. I will never listen to you again. But I'm trying to tell you the severity the severity of the magnitude of sin the gravity of it the weight of it the magnitude the severity of it calls for drastic measures. If you see somebody 
heading toward the cliff and they're about to fall off the cliff, you ain't got time to be gentle. You ain't got time to baby them. You ain't got time to hold their hand. If they're already there at the cliff, if they're already way, 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 way overboard, it's time to shout. Amen. There are some times that the wall is so high and so deep that the only way you're going to break that wall and destroy that city is to shout. Amen. To blow the trumpet and spare not, but to tell my people their sins. We ain't got time to be listening, tuning in to a Joel Osteen. We ain't got time for Mr. Smiley Face, Joel Osteen. We ain't got time for softness, effeminality, and homosexuality. What we need is boldness and strength and shouting. One thing that the Pentecostal Church of Babylon has right, one thing, that they do have right is to give the preacher and the members freedom to shout for God in excitement, in love, in gratitude, in worship. Because God's truth is exciting. God's love is, is exciting. God's presence is exciting. Amen. Praise God. To feel God's touch, to hear his voice, to feel his essence in the room is exciting. Praise the Lord. And he is worthy of people getting down on their knees. He is worthy of people raising their arms in worship. He is worthy of your whole heart, of your whole mind, of your whole body. And I don't care what somebody else thinks if they see me praising the Lord. Amen? It's all right to praise the Lord, as that song says. Amen? It's all right to praise the Lord. You don't have to worry who might be standing by, as that song says. Amen? If you feel like praising the Lord in Walmart, then do it. If you feel like uh, parking the car on the side of the highway and getting out and praising the Lord, then do it wherever you are, as that sermon said. Wherever you are at any moment that it just strikes you that you want to worship and praise the Lord, because I tell you what, it's pride and stubbornness many times, not every time, but sometimes it's pride and stubbornness that prevents people from worship. Mr. Armstrong said it was pride to worship. But it's actually a larger problem that pride prevents worship. Well, they might be, somebody might see me. Amen. That's what it was. Amen. Sorry, Mr. Armstrong, when you listen to this a thousand years from now, but I got to call it exactly the way it is. Amen. It was out of pride that he said, and his preachers said, 
But you can't worship, you can't raise your hand, you can't shout, you can't get on your knees, you can't speak in tongues because it's not dignified. Sometimes we have to lose ourselves in order to gain God. Amen. We have to lose ourselves. We have to let go. We have to crucify ourselves and just let God take control of our mouth, of our mind, of our heart, of our flesh, and quench not the spirit. Excuse me. As 1 Corinthians 5 says, quench not the spirit, and the is not prophesied. Amen. Prophesying means speaking in tongues, doesn't it? It's not the Spirit. Make a note of that, Brother Robert. Rise not prophesying. It's not the Spirit. You know, they spoke in tongues in the Old Testament. Yes, they did. We was never taught that. I did not know that. That was just what God taught me, what, year, two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was, look for the article on the website. Do they have that? Or is it just a sermon? That was was for Pentecost. Well, you want to write it down to see if we have an article. And if you don't, we'll get one up there this week. Amen? God willing. They speak in tongues. In the Old Testament, they did. Amen. But there's a lot of truth that God has taught us. God has taught us. Even just the other day, when Brother Disciple asked me that question and it was God that put that on his mind and his heart to read it, to study it, to think about it, and to ask about it. Brother, please don't feel down or distressed in any way that you did not know the answer because I didn't know the answer either. But God knew the answer. And it was God that gave it to me. It was not my wisdom. It was not. Don't think it was. Do not think it was. It was not my wisdom. It was not my understanding. It was God. It was God. And he continues to teach us. Amen. But we got to be willing to learn grow in the truth. Humble ourselves and be not like the majority of the church worldwide. Be not like the majority of them, the majority of the world, to think that we're so rich we have need of nothing spiritually, truth-wise. There's a lot to still learn. Amen. Amen. And we usually, every year, 
growing the truth on something, and almost every year I have to stand here and say, I was wrong. This is what we got to correct. And I stand here today and say, I was wrong. I was when I said we should pray that our Liam won't be in the winter on the Sabbath day. Because the truth is, those days of fleeing are engraved in stone upon the appointed holy days. Jesus knew that when he was in heaven, before he came to earth. But when he came to earth, the book of Philippians said that he emptied himself. The entirety of God, all of the knowledge of God, all the power of God, all the being of God, all the measure of God could not fit in little tiny young Mary, who was probably around 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that, little tiny girl. And even if she had been a 30-year-old woman, the entirety of God would not be able to fit in her body. Amen. He had to lighten the load, even as John 1 hints to us that he came to tabernacle, he came to camp among us. When you go camping or you go hiking, you take your backpack, take a light load. You don't bring the entire load. You don't bring the kitchen sink unless you're my wife and me. But normally you don't bring the kitchen sink. Amen. I say that out of love, honey, as a joke, because we do bring everything in the kitchen sink too. But Normally, you don't bring the kitchen sink. You don't bring everything. You bring a light load. You try to bring a light load. Amen. And Jesus brought a light load, only a small measure of himself in size and in knowledge. Amen. That's why he submitted to the greater measure of himself in heaven. Amen. So even Christ humbled himself. He did not boast of himself. Even the works he did, he says, not works of my own, but the works of my Father. Amen. He did not boast of himself. He could. He was God on earth. And even when he quoted his own self and what he said in the Old Testament, he didn't even say, I told you so. Did I, did I not tell you? But rather, he said, is it not written? Amen. Is it not written in your law book? Is it not written? Did not Moses write? Did not the Father say? Was it not written? Have you not read? He didn't say, did I not say? Even though he did say those things in the Old Testament that he quoted, he didn't say, I said it. I told you so. I've told you. I've told you. I've told you. But he said, have you not written? I mean, have you not read? Did not Moses not write? And did not the law book say? Amen. And did not Isaiah say? Amen. And what did Isaiah say? What did Isaiah say? Isaiah said, Jesus said. Amen. <laughs> Isaiah said, Jesus said. And Jesus said, Isaiah said. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So if Jesus could humble himself, 
then I think we can too. We might have to try a little bit harder, but we can do it. We're not hopeless. Amen. We're not hopeless. Oh, Lord, heavenly Jesus, Father God Almighty. We pray, Lord, heavenly Father, in one mind, one spirit, and one accord, that more people would humble themselves to confess their sins, that they are lost, that they need a Savior, that they did wrong, that they have pride. Whatever their sins may be, their rebellion, pride, and different sins, that they would confess their sins and repent and return unto you. And that people would come to you for the first time. And those that have fallen away would return unto you. And the people that are scattered would unite in one faith and one doctrine and one baptism, keeping the Sabbath day the, real, the way it's really supposed to be kept. The holy days the way they're really supposed to be kept. Grow in knowledge of the truth and understanding of the truth. Grow in the measure of faith. Grow in the measure of the Holy Ghost. Come into unity with the true body of Christ. We pray for more pastors, more laborers, more workers, more brothers, more sisters to unite in truth in the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus, humbling themselves for the greater work of the kingdom, the greater good. We pray for those pastors. We pray for those lay members. We pray for those scattered brethren. that they would reunite, that they would reunite, that they would reunite. There is a gathering. There is a gathering place. There is a place where you have set your name. And we pray that it be increased, multiplied, and filled, and overflowed. We pray for wilderness places that were closed because of pride, because of sin, because of rebellion, because of disobedience. Those wilderness places, the cities of refuge, those places of safety that were shut down, that they be reopened. The people would repent. People would humble themselves. People would return to your plan that Matthew, Stephen, would repent, return unto you, humble himself, and confess his sins, his false doctrines, his false prophecies, everything that he did wrong sexually and in pride and in foolishness, that he would confess, humble himself, 
work as a team. Stephen Benning, other people, leaders of the Living Church of God and the United Church of God and the Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee, other groups, other divisions that were and others were not part of that Philadelphia era at the church. And even new seeds, new seeds, new sons, new daughters at the church, individuals, that they come into the Philadelphia without the pride, mind frame, holiness, righteousness, unity, organization, structure, ordained, from on high, the organization that you structured, that you gave, that you built, that you lay the foundation upon the walls, the joints coming together as a mature man. Bring us together, Father. Resurrect us from the grave of pride. Resurrect us from the grave of a division. Resurrect us from false doctrine, from the past. Resurrect us. Bring us together. At your appointed place, your appointed time, your appointed way, your church, your bride, your people, I can do nothing. Your people, your calling, your choosing, your time, your place. You build it. I did not. It is yours, the people are yours, the church is yours. Have your way. In the name of Jesus, I surrender. It is yours. Have your way, Father. Have your way. She is your bride. She is your people. She is your kingdom. I pray that she arise from the ashes, fly with eagles and eagle wings. No virus, no lockdown shall prevent her. The carnal thinking must stop. God can get past the gate. God can get past the lockdown. God can turn any bird invisible. God can do it. Let God be God. Let go and let God be God. We don't control it. We don't plan it. It is God's. Let God be God. 
Don't limit him. Don't fence him. Don't second think him. Don't say, I told you so. Let God be God. He will move his people in his timing, in his way. We know nothing. I am as a worm, but God is God. Nothing is impossible with him. Lord, Heavenly Father, your church is yours. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And no weapon formed against it shall prosper. Not even an invisible virus. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the bride of Christ. The church is established in the foundations of apostles and prophets and Christ yourself. It shall stand. It shall stand. It shall rise. It shall rise. In Jesus Christ, so be it. Amen. And the church, the congregation said, Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Come here. Punch me in the mind. Punch me. Arm. Yeah. Order. Amen. Amen. Can't you? Come on, hard. Amen. Order. Good again. Amen. Okay. Okay. Oh, come on. Two or three more times. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise God. What happens in the congregation stays in the congregation. Praise the Lord. Be careful who you trust. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God Almighty. Woo-hoo-hoo. Praise the Lord. Who feels like dancing now? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God Almighty. Praise God Almighty. He is our Lord. He is our God. Praise God Almighty. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'd like for some people to send some songs. Amen. If you are appointed for songs. Amen. If that is your gift, and if it's not your choosing, it's truly a gift, and if it doesn't sound like Satan music, because I don't know how many times people have said it was their calling. God gave it to them, and they send me the music, and it sounds just like a rock and roll, 1980s, 1960s, 19-something satanic rock. Electric guitars, electric this, electric that. I cannot stand electric, neither can God. Amen. But I would like for people to use their gifts. So if you got something to share, a song, prophecy, a vision, a tongue, interpretation of tongues, everybody brings something to the table. Bring a loaf of bread, bring a fish, and let God multiply it. You can contact me. I would like for you to, if you're not yet a member of our MeWe groups, 
You can search I Saw the Light Ministries on MeWe.com. It's a great alternative to Facebook. Freedom of speech on there. No advertisements. They do not sell your information. Great alternative to Facebook. MeWe.com. Search for I Saw the Light Ministries. You can also go to the main ministry website, isawthelightministries.com, and use those articles in sincere examination of what you believe and why with your Bible in prayer. I invite everyone to tune in and listen to the live worship services on Saturdays, every Saturday at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We actually turn on the microphone about five minutes to two whenever we can if we're not running late. And today is the first day of the fifth month. Today is the first day of the fifth month in God's calendar. There is an article on the website, How to Tell Time by God's Calendar, at isawthelightministries.com slash calendar.html. If you've not yet downloaded the Alpha and Omega Bible, we encourage you to do that, a free download of the PDF of the Alpha and Omega Bible. And if you don't have the paperbacks yet, we really encourage you to do that before time runs out. We do expect the Great Tribulation to begin in April of next year because that was a revelation from the Lord proven to us from Psalm 22, Psalm 23, 24, and 25, those several chapters, as well as the book of Revelation and throughout Scripture and throughout many different revelations over the years. We give all the glory to the Father in Jesus Christ. Time is short, and it was Jesus that told you so. Amen. It's time to um, prepare your rations, and get serious about learning natural remedies, natural plants, natural edible things that grow in your nation, and prepare to flee into the woods because that's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to lose their houses, their jobs, their families, their careers, their education, everything you have built your life upon, every bit of it will be destroyed and cast asunder coming next year, you will have nothing left but God. Nothing but God. And that will be when people will actually start to awaken and surrender to God and to his truth. Because if you are already rich and have need of nothing, then you don't need God because you already got the sports, the car, the job, the money, the wife, the girlfriend, everything you want, all the luxury of life, electricity, internet, the computer, all those things are your God. They all must be removed, and they all will be removed. And when all those things are removed, that will be the great deliverance and the great awakening. Amen. We need that great tribulation. We need that great tribulation. And it will come. God's appointed time 
And we will have to embrace it. We will have to embrace it. You cannot pray it away. People think you can pray it away. You cannot pray away the great tribulation. It's coming. You cannot pray away the invasion. It's coming. You cannot shoot away the invasion. Your guns will not save you. Your gold will not save you. Save you. Your investments will not save you. Your homestead will not save you. And your entire army, great, great, great army of the United States will not save you. And the great military of Israel will not save Israel. Amen. When a nation becomes so full of pride that it can't fall, it will fall. They said the Titanic will not sink, but it sunk. They say Israel is too great, too powerful. God won't allow it to sink, won't allow it to be invaded and destroyed. Oh, it will be destroyed. America is too great, too powerful to be destroyed. Oh, it will be destroyed. Amen. What a glorious day it will be. What a glorious day it will be when America is destroyed and when Israel is destroyed and when you lose your job and your house and your land and your homestead and all your property, what a great deliverance it will be because all of that is hindering you from an intimate closeness with God. And I, I, I speak the truth because it's not me that speak of the Father and there. And if you don't believe, then believe for the work's sake. For the work's sake. Believe. Amen. God is good. God is great. Praise the Lord. Have to be careful not quench the spirit and just let the spirit speak. But God says, that's enough. Let the people go. Amen. So I let the people go. And I just hope that you'll be back. You're in God's hands. Amen. And for a second time, the congregation said, Amen. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.